Well, good morning, everyone. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's great that you can join us for our online service today. You know, if you're, if you're new to the area or if you haven't uh, visited Snell's Beach Baptist Church yet, or if, if you just want to get to know a little bit more about us, if you're visiting uh, with us through this service, you can, you can learn more about uh, our church and our community who we are and the things that, that we do in our community by, by just going to sbbchurch.nz. You know, and, and if, you, if you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter. You can get in touch with us so that um, we can get to know you better. Um, you, can, you can request prayer from us, and we would, we would love to, to pray with you to help you in any way that, that we can. Speaking of the things that, that we do in our community, I just want to take a minute to, to congratulate and to thank um, Jackie and Joellen, who, who put together an, an amazing uh, online holiday club in the middle of our lockdown uh, just uh, two weeks ago in, in the last week of, of um, school holidays. You know, Jackie had this idea back in, back in July and, and she brought it to me and she, she brought so much passion and fire to um, this project. And even when lockdown came, she didn't uh, stop down, but she, she grabbed Joellen, who's um, a, a whiz at, at computers and, and animation, and the two of them collaborated and really brought together something that's uh, that's quite incredible. And, and because it's online, we can actually share it with more than just the people who are in our community. And so I'm I'm excited to see where uh, where these videos go and how the Lord uses it. So thank you, Jackie and, and Joellen, for your service and your love, your your initiative, and um, the way that you have reached out to our community through this holiday club. Thank you also to all of you who, who participated in, in one way or another in the Holiday Club. Um, yeah. So this week we are, uh, we are continuing to look through our, our letter of 1 John. You know, John was, John was a, a disciple of Jesus Christ. He, he walked with him for years while Jesus did ministry, healing the sick, loving the poor and the outcast, challenging uh, the religious leaders of his day. And so John John got to see Jesus do a lot of, of things. He saw how Jesus lived, how he loved. Um, so John John's in a in a unique position to to write this letter. You know, but John John was also in a, a group of three people, a little inner circle of disciples that Jesus um, he brought with him on, on very special occasions to to pray with him um, and to just get a, a little bit deeper and, and more rich fellowship and community. And, and John is writing this letter, maybe uh, 40 to 50 years after Jesus died. And, and, and after Jesus was, was raised from the dead and after Jesus was ascended to heaven, John is, is writing this letter because there are people who are challenging who Jesus is. But John, as a disciple, and specifically as one of these three in the inner circle, he had he had some authority to, to talk about who Jesus is, who God is, as he has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. Today we come to this passage in 1 John where John makes this statement that all of us have heard, that God is love. And so we, we come to this place, we, we come to this place where, where John challenges us as believers to love one another. And, and he roots this challenge in God's identity. In God's identity, he says, God is love. So today we come to talk about God's love. And this, this topic is, is especially dangerous for Christians today to be talking about. 
because in in the last few hundred years things have few things have been as hotly debated or as as passionately defended or as continuously redefined as these two concepts of love and of God. Yet the Bible goes to great lengths to show us exactly how we must define these two ideas. Our passage today in in 1 John chapter 4 is is one that helps us do this. This one this passage helps us define uh, love and God. And normally, I would I would divide a passage like this the same way we would divide a, a story. You know, the story has parts. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and, and it has one line running through all of these things. That's the that's the narrative, that you, and you can see that in every part. And normally, I would I would divide a passage into parts, and I, and I would show that line tracing through each part of the passage. Today, however, John, who is, is writing this letter, he doesn't really write this way. And in fact, if you've been reading with us throughout this whole letter, this isn't his typical style. The Apostle Paul might, might take an idea and, and write straight through four or five different main points. But John kind of, he writes in a circle. You know, and, and he, he doesn't do this because he, he can't communicate in a straight line or because he's bad at it, but rather because he's trying to emphasize the, the interconnectedness of his topic. And it, especially as we look at the love of God here in 1 John 4, we are faced with something so incredibly large and beautiful that to attempt to explain it just logically would, would really, it, it would hinder, it would fall short of the full expression of, of the glory and the beauty and the power of this for our lives. So as we come to talk about God's love today, and especially as we come to talk about what it means when John says that God is love, I'm going to take a page out of John's book. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to take us, and, and we're going to take a step back to get the big picture of what we have in our passage. There are so many details of this passage that I would, I would love to communicate. So many, so many intricate and, 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 tight-knit ways that things are connected to one another. And some of them are, are very subtle. Some of them are very intricate. And it's, it's, it's honestly quite beautiful. But today, I don't want to miss the forest for the trees. I don't, I don't want to miss the big picture for the details. So if you have questions about some of these details, about some of the, the intricate, interrelated ways that John uses phrases and ideas, please feel free to to contact me. I would love to talk more about God's love and, and what John says in this passage with anybody. But as we as we come to the word today, would you would you prepare your hearts with me to hear about who God is, about what it means that God is love. So hear hear the word of the Lord today from from 1 John chapter 4. Um, I'll be reading from verse 7 to verse 21. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved 
God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. It's the, that's the atoning sacrifice, the payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. And if, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us or brought to full expression, some translations put it. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Would you pray with me before we come to, to God's word this morning? Holy Spirit, we, we confess today our need for you. Spirit, we, we confess our, our inability to grasp the greatness, the glory, the grandeur of, of who you are. So we ask, we ask Holy Spirit, that you would, you would warm our hearts, that you would open our eyes, that we may experience and that we may see the love of God shown through Jesus Christ at the cross. Spirit, would you, would you plant this love in our hearts that it might grow and bear fruit in our lives? And would you make us strong to do good works, to love one another in the name of Jesus Christ? We ask these things that, that the Father's glory might be known. As we, as we share about the work of his son who, who died for us on the cross and of you, Holy Spirit, who dwells in us now through faith so that we might proclaim the glories and the excellencies of, of God the Father. Would you warm our hearts and open our eyes to hear your word today? I pray this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when we come to speak about God, when, when we come to, to speak confidently, to describe the nature and the character of God, we ought to be very careful. We ought to talk, we ought to talk about God in, in a way that is, that is right, that is honoring, and that is glorifying to him. And, and how we talk about God reveals a lot about us. So, for us to approach this passage today, 
where John makes the claim that God is love, this should make us pause. By pausing, I mean that we need to consider what, what this means for us. I mean that that we should not rush into assuming what the Bible means. I mean that that we should not be so easygoing when we speak of the character and the nature of who God is. Like God who, who said to Moses when Moses was in his presence, this is holy ground. And what did, what did God do to Moses when, when, he, when he told them that this was holy ground? God revealed his name to Moses. He said, I am who I am. So when, when we come to consider God's name, when we come to consider who God is, we should pause. We should pause because we are in the presence of God. We should pause because who God is, is, is the most glorious thing. The most, the most heavy and weighty and important matter we could ever consider. So I want us to pause today and I want us to pause for at least, at least two reasons. I just want to mention these quickly before we, we go to consider what it means that God is love. So first, we should pause to recognize our own limitations. Any attempt to form teaching or to enter into discussion around God and his ways, around his character and his nature, these will ultimately fall short of capturing the fullness of God. We would sooner transfer the entire ocean into a container by using a thimble than rightly understand or speak about even one aspect of God's infinite beauty. And yet today we come to talk about his love. So we should should pause because this task is in many ways impossible. Yet God has revealed himself to us through his word and in his son, Jesus Christ. More than this, if we have put our faith in him, he now dwells in us through the Holy Spirit who has taken up residence in our hearts. And John says that both in his letter and in his gospel that the Holy Spirit reveals to us the truth about God. So although God is infinite and we cannot fully grasp him, the infinite God has revealed himself to us. So for us to ask questions about God and his ways is not a fruitless thing to do. While our feeble minds cannot begin to measure the eternity of his ways, we are nevertheless called into a relationship with him, to know him and to love him. So the first reason we pause is because we recognize in humility that we are actually unable to say anything that is that is completely accurate about God. We will never fully grasp him until we see him face to face. The second reason that we ought to pause before considering the greatness of God, before considering his his character and his nature, is that what we discover of him will ultimately ask something of us. We cannot come face to face with the truth without being required to adjust ourselves and our views of all reality according to this truth that we come to see. And and this sort of adjustment is exactly what John does in our passage. I said a minute ago that John likes to talk in circles. And and he does so in this passage. This is what he does in this passage. 
because he cannot simply reflect on God's love without showing how this love must change us. If God has so loved us to the point of sending his own son to die so that we might have life, how can we not love one another? How can we receive such a a deep and personal friendship and love with God when we did not deserve it without extending this love and forgiveness to others? You see, the, the truth of God lays an obligation, a, a requirement. It lays a requirement on his people. If our creator is loving, then we as his creation should be as well. So having, having talked about these two things that, that should make us pause when we come to consider such a great statement like God is love. We now turn to ask the question, what does it mean that God is love? Remember that as we, as we look at this passage today, I'm, I'm trying to give a summary. So please, I, I really encourage you, go back and read this passage. Check that, that what I am saying is in line with God's word. As I, as I try to, to summarize just a few of the things that are in here today. That there are three things from our text that I want to draw your attention to this morning. The first is that if God is love, then all love is from God. Second, if God is love, his people must be loving. And thirdly, if God is love, then how he loves changes everything. These, these three things. If God is love, then all love is from God. If God is love, his people must be loving. And finally, if God is love, then how he loves changes everything. So what, is it, what does it mean for God to be love? Well, first, we, we've said it, it means that all love is from God. This is in, in verse 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. This truth needs explaining because there is, there is real and genuine love expressed by those who do not know Christ. The Christian claim that all love has its ultimate source in God is, is one of the more offensive claims of Christianity in, in the Western world today. Because our claim is contrary to our culture because we we confess what the Bible says that mankind created by God was created in his image. And so if God is love, we would expect his creation to reflect his image by being loving as well. The image of God in us has been damaged by our sin, but it has not been erased. And this is why there can be real and genuine love in human relationships even when we do not love perfectly. All love is from God because he is love. You know, if we were if we were just to stop here, we might not be in so much trouble with our world today. And most people do. They use this notion that God is love without recognizing that the second warning that I gave just a minute ago, you know, that the truth of God requires us to come in into line with what God says about that truth. We cannot wield truth about God like a weapon. 
especially if we are not willing to investigate what this truth means. John says that God is love. But do you remember what John said back in chapter 1, verse 5? He said, God is light. And in Scripture, God's light symbolizes his moral perfection, his, his purity, his holiness. So when we try to take a hold of the love of God without also taking hold of his light, we end up with a cheap imitation of love instead of the real thing. You see, because we must keep all of Scripture together when we read Scripture. God's love must be taken together with his holiness, just as his holiness must be taken together with his love. Love without holiness is as cheap and as fruitless as holiness without love. And our, our world loves to challenge the church and to, to cancel the church because of our holiness that lacks love. And this is because our culture praises love without holiness, love without bounds, love without definition. And we'll, we'll come to address that a little bit later. So to recap, the, the first answer to the question, what does it mean that God is love? Is that all love is from God. Secondly, if God is love, John says his people must be loving. We have to say that if God is love, then this love is a is a natural, and I would say, in, in fact, the, the Bible would say it is a necessary byproduct of relationship with God. If God is love, then then this love, God's love, is a natural and necessary byproduct of relationship with God. John says it in his own words. He says, whoever loves God must also love his brother. But is this really true? Can't I just receive God's love? Is it actually true that I, I now have to show this love to other people? John says that this is true. In fact, John doubles down on his statement. Because John doesn't just move from our love for God to how we love our brother. John moves the other way as well, from how we love our brother to how we love God. John says this. He says, if anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. And this is in, in verse 20. He says, whoever does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. Did you catch that? Whoever does not love his brother cannot love God. You want to know what it, what it means that God is love? It means, first, that all love is from God. And second, it means that if we do not love our neighbor, we can never love God. Why do we as Christians let this truth be so watered down, both in our churches and by our culture? God's love is not some bland and over-tolerant, open-ended notion of divine or human goodness, fairness. Yet we treat this statement, God is love, as if it was a free pass to love however we feel like loving. But the Bible doesn't think so. John doesn't think so. In fact, I think that John would say that the statement, God is love, is one of the heaviest revelations in all of Scripture. We cannot say God is love without, without changing how we think, how we live. There is, there is nothing that this statement 
does not touch. John will not allow us to say that we love God if we do not love our neighbor. Yet the gospel is that somehow, even though we fail to love our neighbor, we fail to love God, God loves us. And this brings us to to the third answer to the question. What does John mean when he says that God is love? If God is love, then how he loves changes everything. So the, the third and final thing I want you to see today about God's love is how he has shown this love. We see, we see this lying just beneath the surface of the passage that we read. And it's, it's kind of like those pictures with a, a hidden image in them. You know, the ones where, where it's, it's a forest, but there's a, a cat in the, in the negative space. And once you see this cat, you can never unsee it. So I want to I look today at this final element of what it means that, that God is love. We can do this by looking at where John makes this statement. He says it twice, first in verse 8 and second in verse 16. This is verse 8. The one who does not know, sorry, excuse me. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. And in verse 16, in the in the second half of verse 16, God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. So first let's let's look at verse 8. John says this, the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. But then John goes on. He says, in this, the love of God is manifested or revealed or shown among us. That that God sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. John gives us a picture of what this love looks like. John knows that someone might say, you say that God is love. So even if God is love, who who are we to say what this love looks like? Who are we to put limits on love? Who are we to define the boundaries of love? You know, and, and John's response is, is to completely agree. Who are we to define what love is? We are utterly helpless to define what love is. John's response is that we look to the cross as the pattern for our love. We must align ourselves with what God, who is love, has revealed about love. How has God shown us love? He sent his only son to die for our sin. Selfless sacrifice that takes the initiative. This is one aspect of love. John puts himself in the witness stand. And he says this, we have seen and we testify that the Father sent his Son as the Savior of the world. And we have known and we have believed the love which God has among us. John points to the cross as the pattern for us to follow in our love for one another. And this point, the cross, this is what lies underneath everything that John is saying about God's love. The cross is so central to this passage. Yet the cross is left out of almost everything that people say about this word. We take, we take the phrase that God is love and we twist it to suit our own meaning all the time. You see it on bumper stickers. You see it on Facebook. 
But the reality is that, that the cross needs to define what it means that God is love. The cross is the expression, the, the revelation, the picture of God's love for us. It, it underlies everything in this passage. We can also look at a different example in this passage. You know, John says that perfect love casts out fear, but what kind of fear does perfect love cast out? The fear of spiders? No, I think I think John is saying something far more important, and we, we cheapen this phrase when, when we just throw it around whenever someone is afraid of something. Look at what John says in verse 16. What kind of fear does perfect love cast out? I'm going to summarize it. So check Check with me in, in your Bibles. You, you can even pause. That's the, the good thing about this being online. You can, you can pause and read and then listen to this summary. This is what John says, starting in, in verse 16. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God. We see this love clearly at the cross. This love that we see in Jesus, it is shown to be completed. It is shown to be perfected. This word means to be brought to full expression. This love is brought to full expression when we have boldness in the day of judgment. There is no fear in love because fear has to do with punishment. But the one who understands the love of God, which again is the love revealed at the cross, has no need to fear punishment because they know that Jesus has already taken that punishment. Perfect love, John says, the love that has come to full expression, the, the love that has come to full understanding in a believer's life, this love has no fear of judgment or punishment because we know and we believe what Jesus has done for us at the cross. The cross is the fullest expression of God's love for us because it is also the fullest expression of his judgment and of his punishment of sin. The cross is where we see the love of God fully because like we said before, God's love needs to also include his light. God's love needs to include his holiness. And at the cross, we have both. God's holiness demanded that, that we be punished for our sin. Yet God's love demanded that we be brought close to him. And the cross is the only way that this could happen, where Jesus Christ, who was perfect God, took on our punishment. He made peace between us and God. So now we can experience this love of God. So the cross is where we can see the love of God fully. It is, it is the picture of God's love, and it is, it is the pattern for how we are to love one another. It, the cross is more than just the pattern of our love. It is also the power for our love. The cross is the pattern and the power for our love. This is the gospel. John puts it this way in verse 19. He says, we love because he first loved us. In verse 10, John says this. He says, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as the sacrifice for our sins. See, the, the problem is we try to love others before we come to know the love of God. And even if we've come to know the love of God, we often try to love others out of our own strength. But we cannot love our neighbor if we have not grasped the love of God for us. John talks about us abiding in God and God abiding in us. He says 
a number of times in this passage that God abides in us. God abides in us if we abide in love. That's verse uh, verse 16. And God, God abides in us also when we confess that Jesus is the Son of God, our Savior. You see, only when we have understood God's love, only when we can understand the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, can we truly love others. Because only when we understand God's love do we know that there is nothing we can do to earn it. True love between one another has to start at the cross, where we have seen God's full love for us in an an undeserved way. We did nothing to earn it. That's what John means when he says we love because he first loved us. The heart which has received the love of God knows fully well that it will fail to meet the standard seen at the cross. It, it, it will fail to fully replicate the pattern that we see in Jesus Christ. Yet only the heart, which has tasted and seen the cross, is set free from needing to meet this standard or fit this pattern in, in a religious or mechanical way. You see, because at the cross, we receive the power to love. Because if God is, is love, then how he loves us changes everything. We love because he first loved us. If we attempt to love others without receiving this love from God, we will fall short of the pattern we see at the cross. Yet, if we understand the love of God seen at the cross, then we can share this love with others. We can love others knowing that even when we do not love perfectly, Jesus has already done so. Love perfected in us does not make us more perfectly loving. What did John say perfect love was? We, we talked about this. Perfect love makes us aware that we, have, that we have received the only perfect love. Love perfected in us makes us aware that we have received the only perfect love, God's love. Love perfected in us looks like us putting the, the cross front and center in our lives so that we not only receive the love of God, but we show it as well. So what does it mean that that God is love? If God is love, then love is from God. If God is love, then his people must be loving. And, And finally, if God is love, then how he loves us changes everything. If God is love, then how he shows this love changes everything. And he has shown this love for the world at the cross. But we cannot look to the cross for forgiveness unless we take hold of the example of Jesus and unless we consider what it means to take up our own cross. Unless we consider how we might put holes in our hands and in our feet to show the love of Jesus to a world that is in desperate need of him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we... Lord, we we thank you for your love, for your love that we have seen through Jesus Christ, who, as we we saw last week, is the image of the invisible God, Lord, who is supreme in, in all things, who is the Lord of creation, who is the Lord of redemption, and through whom we have reconciliation with you. Lord, I ask that as we come to know your love, we will be filled with 
power by your Holy Spirit to, to join with Christ in this ministry of reconciliation. God, that we would we would come and and we would we would see people, Lord, not as not as enemies, not as enemies of the truth first and foremost, but as as people who are as in need of your love as we are every day. Lord, I ask that that as we reflect on what it means for you who are love to set your love upon us, we would we would we would seek reconciliation. We would we would seek your gospel going forth and people not knowing you to come to know you. Lord, I ask that, that your love would transform our hearts to be caring, to be kind, to be courteous to one another so that, that we might show what it means to do what Jesus did, to do what you did, to, to take the initiative and to lay down our own lives for one another. We ask this in, in Jesus' name and, and for his glory. Amen.